Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge Church is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor John McDougall. As we enter this, this series that we're calling Pure, we're entering it with the reality and, and with the truth that we know our capacity to go be a blessing really hinges on the health of our heart. It, it starts with the condition of our soul. And so we're praying, Lord, create in me a pure heart. Psalm 51.10, where David prays that prayer, that's the prayer really that we're praying for these five weeks. And we're asking God specifically to create in us a heart that beats with his love, a pure love for him, but also a pure love for the people around us. And last Sunday, we, uh, we, it was fun to, to just track with Jesus for a day in his life, Matthew chapter 9, and we, we walked out of that deep with a, a debrief session with him that led us to pray a simple prayer for each other. And it was simply this, Lord, would you send us, and he called us, send out workers into the harvest field, would you send us with your compassion, a pure compassion for people who are far from you to help someone into the joy of knowing you. And so we had that action step. I don't know if, if you took that, but we said, okay, let's pray for five people for five minutes a day for the next five days and just pray that over them. And so we pray a specific name. And I mentioned praying for my daughter, Jesse. Lord, would you send Jesse with your compassion to help someone today into the joy of knowing you? And on Monday morning, we talked about this at our small group on Sunday night. Monday morning, I texted out to the group. I think I just got sent, <laughs> and uh, thank you for whoever prayed for me, thank you, but I got this, just, I don't know if you ever get that extra wind of energy to go just be Christ and share Christ and bless somebody, and I went flying out, um, and, and it was neat just to feel like I, I, I'm 99.9% sure somebody prayed me out, and God um, hopefully used me to be a blessing to somebody. And so th there was also that joy of praying through the list each day and thinking about what God might use that person to do that day in ways that we won't even, can't see, won't know, but where he's faithful to his word as we live it out. And so during our small group time, Brian Ellis shared a, a go bless story that was just too good to pass up. And so I asked if, if he'd be willing to come share this. So I appreciate him today coming to share just uh, out of his own life. And so would you welcome Brian as he comes to share with us. Well, I've got to give some context to this uh, story, but we had, uh, for the, you know, the last what, five, six weeks, really been focusing in on Bless, and the Legans had introduced our group to a book called um, Everybody Always, which is the second book by Bob Goff, who basically the point of the book is to love everybody all the time. And it seems like a simple concept, uh, but it's when you start ap applying it to your life, it becomes harder. But one of the things that he talks about within this book is that as human beings, as individuals, we're created to be able to make decisions on our own. And so when someone comes to you and says, hey, you need to change this about your life or you need to do this differently, right, we get defensive. And so he said, instead, you need to tell people who they are. Tell people who they, what they can become. And the examples in, in the Bible are like, you know, Christ told Abraham, you will be the father of my nation. 
Right? He told Peter that you will be the rock upon which I build my kingdom. He told Paul that you will be my vessel to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And so this whole concept of you know, beginning each day with prayer and interaction with prayer and listening and eating with someone, which I love to do, by the way, and then finding a way to serve, and then before I tell my story, has been resonating in my mind along the whole process of telling people who they are. And so a couple Sundays ago, I had to be in Philadelphia, and so I, um, on early, for an early Monday morning meeting, and so I flew out on Sunday, and I had to connect through Atlanta, and it's NFL Sunday, and if you guys know me, I'm a big football fan, so I wanted to go find a place to watch football. So I'm running around trying to find a spot. There's a Longhorn Steakhouse in the terminal, in one of the terminals in Atlanta. So I walk in there, the tables are packed. The only place available is, is a seat at the bar. And so I walk up there, I put my bags down, I sit at the bar. The lady looks at me and says, if you buy a beer, you get a $4 shot. And I'm like, no, okay, I don't need, I don't need the shot. But you know, so I sit down and, we, and I start watching football and the guy comes up and sits next to me. And before she can even offer him the the special, he says, I'll take a beer and a shot. And so she pours him, you know, what he's asking for. And, and I look over and I'm saying, you've been here enough to know the deal already, huh? And he said, well, I come here quite often. And we just start talking and start talking about football, start talking about life. And I'm like, well, you know, how often do you travel? He's like, you know, I, I don't, I don't travel. And I'm like, well, okay, well then why are you here so often? He's like, well, every other week I bring my son, I get my son. And every other Sunday afternoon, evening, I come here and I drop him off and I fly him back to Alabama so that way he can spend, you know, the, his, you know, the rest of the days with his mom and his stepdad. And so over the course of the next 15 or 20 minutes as he's finishing up um, his meal and I'm finishing up mine, uh, we just talked and talked about life and talked about football and found out he was from Athens, Georgia. He's a big University of Georgia fan. They had just lost, and I was making fun of him for that. But <laughs> at the end of it, I just felt God saying, hey, Brian, tell him who he is. And so I'm like, ah, I don't know, God. You know, He's like, no, no, Brian, tell him who he is. And so he got up to leave, and I stopped. I turned around, and I said, hey, can I put my hand on his chest? And I'm a, I'm a touchy kind of guy, so I was like, hey, can I just tell you something? He said, what? And I said, you're a good father. And he looked at me like, what? And I said, you are a good father, and your son, as he grows up, will see the love and the, you know, what you've done and the sacrifices that you've made every Sunday, every other Sunday for him to go do this. You're a good father. And he just started bawling his eyes out. And we hugged each other, and he left. And I don't know what that guy's story is at this point, whether he's a Christian or not, but it was just uh, wonderful to be used by God on a Sunday I skipped church. So, <laughs> but, so that's it. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And that story goes on. There was a lady sitting next to him, and when he, she heard him talking to him, it sparked another conversation, and Brian had the chance to tell her who she was or, or just see the, uh, the opportunity in her life. Another uh, resource is this organic outreach, and this could be a small group resource. It could be a personal resource, but if you're looking for something to just um, 
really equip you as you set out to go bless. A great, great book here. And this first quote, or it's on the first page of the first chapter, The Law of Love. It says, the starting point of effective outreach is not a system, a program-specific presentation. It's a heart deeply in love with God and people. Without love, no outreach strategy will work. With God's love, we can change the world. As I read that, I, I was reminded, that's 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3, summary, but I was reminded that it starts with the heart. And as we pray, Lord, make me a blessing, the corresponding prayer is, Lord, purify my heart, create in me a clean heart, a pure heart. And so that's where we are today. We're moving into the, really the, uh, the meat of this, this message series today as we uh, are asking the question, is it really possible to have a pure heart? This side of heaven. Is purity of heart possible? And if so, how? Is there a way or a process that God has given us that would, would enable us to, to have a heart that beats with his heart? And as I came to this message this week, I, I was reminded that this is birthed really out of the ache that I know many of you feel, really all of us, I'm sure, multiple times have felt. And it's that ache that we feel when, when who we are in Christ and what we desire to be in Christ, we realize we have a ways to go and the impurity of our heart, those areas of our heart that are still marked by really the darkness of being self-led, lead us to hurt the very people that we love the most. Those moments when we realize I have a tainted love, even for this the person that's most precious in my life. I was thinking, my mind went back to our first year of marriage and, you know, this incredible gift of having this beautiful bride went to spend her life with me. And as a husband, my deep desire to protect her and to love her and to take care of her. But as we moved to Dallas, um, remembering moments of conflict where I, in marriage counseling, I, I describe it as that first year of marriage was was indescribable ecstasy and horrific agony <laughs> as I realized how selfish I was. And those moments of conflict where I wanted my way at my time and I didn't care what she thought and I would say things and do things that would hurt this person that, that God gifted me to love. And it was in those moments, and perhaps you felt them, where we pray that prayer, Lord, purify my heart. What just happened? When we move out of the conflicts and we're looking at the, the broken pieces of this relationship and wondering, what did I just say and how did, I, how did that come out of my soul? And we realize, I'm broke. This love is tainted. And we pray, Lord, as David did, that Psalm 51 was a prayer prayed in the context of horrific personal failure that hurt the people that he loved the most. And he prayed, Lord, create in me a new heart, renew in me a pure heart. To which the enemy of our soul says, you're broke and you can't change. But to which Jesus says, I have some good news for you. Come follow me. And God has given us a process to follow where purity of heart is possible this side of heaven. And today, this message is, is going to, we're going to look at three core texts which really frame this process. And then at each text, we'll receive an action step that we can take today. The first text is Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It's a text that's 
really the, the, uh, the central verse in the, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, the message that Jesus gives where he, he calls us, he, he starts out saying, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. He, he goes through these, these blessings. The poor in spirit means we, we see ourselves as spiritually bankrupt before God. Blessed are those who mourn, mourn over our sin and our bankruptcy before God. Blessed are the meek. And then he comes to this verse, Matthew chapter 6. I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 6. He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so our first move today as we set out to live with a heart that, that beats with a pure love for God and others is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Here God is calling us to hunger and thirst. It's to desire, to to crave, to want. He's saying, let this hit your appetite level. As you wake up in the morning and you want something, want righteousness. To which we say, what is righteousness? And and the simple definition is, righteousness is doing the right thing with the right heart every time. As we think about what this looks like in, in our walk with Christ, it's living in conformity to the will of God, praying, Father, your will be done, and then when we see his will, when we discern his will through his word, we do it every time. This is, is living right before God that leads to right actions and, and right uh, living with each other. It's living with a, a heart that beats with a pure desire to please God alone above all else so that we might live in in close proximity to him. So back to the question, is it possible to live with a heart that's pure, this side of heaven? And the beautiful reality that that just explodes from this text is, what did Jesus say? Blessed, happy, fulfilled, satisfied are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be, what? Filled. If you hunger and thirst for this, You will be satisfied. This is the gift of the kingdom. As you hunger and thirst for righteousness, God is faithful to grant that desire, to fulfill that that hunger and that appetite. And so you ask, okay, and and think and dream, what would it be like to live an entire day of, of our life hungering to be righteous, hungering to do the right thing with the right heart at every move, and actually stepping into that? Now, we know perfection is not possible until we get to heaven, but, but to as best as where we are in our journey, to live with a heart that's beating with just pure love for God and pure love for those around us, what would that be like? We're like, there's nothing in your soul right now other than you want to please God and you want to just love the people around you. What kind of um, experience is that that's a taste of heaven here on earth, isn't it? And the possibility that Christ calls us into. Is anyone else hungry for that? Jesus is saying, hunger for it, and those who hunger for it will be filled. But then, just a few verses later, this beautiful possibility goes up in smoke as Jesus continues this message when he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. He says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. To which we say, what? You just said hunger and thirst for righteousness, we'd be filled. 
But then you tell us, unless our righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees aren't really around today, but in this day when he said that, the Pharisees were the group of people who were like as right as you could be. They were better than right. They would, they would do the right thing, and then they'd do three things that would ensure that they did the right thing. And Jesus is saying, unless your righteousness is higher than the Pharisees, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. What? And what he goes on to say throughout this message, and really this is the, what creates the tension in the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying, the, you, you say... And, and he, he says, okay, not to commit adultery, but the reality is you look lustfully at a lady. You've committed adultery, and you're guilty before God. God isn't looking just at what we do. He looks at the heart, and his point throughout this message is no one can enter the kingdom of God based on our own righteousness. We can't do enough right things to enter the kingdom of God. And this is bad, bad, bad news. Until you hear the good, good, good news. What Jesus is doing is driving us to, the, to our need for him, our need for a savior. The one who lived a perfect life. Scripture tells us, and, and we see that Jesus was 100% righteous. He did the right thing with the right heart every time. And as he lived the right life, he became the perfect sacrifice for us. A sin offering, Scripture describes, our substitute before God. And when he, took, he went to the cross, he went as our substitute, taking our sin upon himself, a perfect lamb of God. He paid the penalty, our sin debt, our sin penalty in full as he suffered what we deserve, the wrath of God. He, he suffered our punishment in full so that when we come to faith in Christ, when we, we receive him by faith, our sin debt before God, all the unrighteousness, the wrong things we've done, all of them are completely forgiven. This morning as we gather to worship, we gather to, to just praise Him for that. that you, you picture your bank account, and we all have a bank account before God, and we were in debt in ways that we could not pay. I mean, we are below the balance, and through faith in Christ, all that debt, past, present, Anything that we will do in the future has been wiped clean. But you guys, here's the truth that, that we sometimes miss as we set out to have a pure heart and follow him. That's so beautiful. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, not only is all our sin debt canceled, but watch what God does in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him, that's that union with him, we might become the righteousness of God. So not only is our sin forgiven, our past and, and our debt canceled before God, but what God does when we come to faith in Christ is he credits to our account, our life, the righteous life of Christ. So that when Jesus chose to do right, with the right heart, at every turn, you get credit for his right life. When God looks at your, your life, he's not seeing your unrighteousness. 
he's seen the righteousness of Christ. So when we're called to pray in Jesus' name, does that mean God just wants us to put in Jesus' name in every prayer? No. The only way we can come into the presence of a God who is holy, holy, holy is on the merit of the righteousness of Christ. How can you and I enter the presence of a holy God? It's because when God sees us entering his presence, he sees the righteous life of Christ lived for your behalf. Does that make sense? So that now our motive as we set out to have a pure heart it is not, and, and where this hurts us is sometimes we think, okay, I know I'm saved and I'm, I'm going to go to heaven and I'm right with God for eternity, but today my standing before God's a little shaky. No. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you're, you can't earn any more of God's favor based on how you live. Now, sin will destroy us. True. And we need to be right before God and, and daily cleansing our sin. But your favor before God has been forever won in Christ so that you can boldly run to him at any time, even with the sinfulness that we have. And say, we, we seek forgiveness, and we confess, but we know that our righteousness is, uh, is Christ. It's not how we're doing. So that now as we set out to have a pure heart, it's not, I hope I can get back in right standing with God, but it's rather out of love and gratitude. It's, uh, as we set, set out to, to live a life that's pleasing to God, it's, it's not um, out of fear or, but rather, he's done all this for me. And this is who I am. As Brian said, who am I in Christ? I am righteous, and therefore, I want to lessen that gap between how I'm living and, and who I am in him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, this is positional righteousness. We, the theological term is imputation, that, that it's important for us to understand and celebrate. But this, can, this positional righteousness can also become practical righteousness as we hunger for, to, to be who we are in Christ. So is anyone hungering for, for this, to, to actually live like Christ, and we know we won't be perfect, but we know we've been called to live up to this and to pursue this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And the beautiful gift of the gospel is God is changing us little by little. Who we were yesterday is not the same person that he wants us to be today, nor who we will be tomorrow. May we hunger the righteousness of Christ. Up until just a few months ago, you could only taste the, uh, the best Italian beef and hot dogs on the planet if you drove to Chicago or some other big city for uh, Portillo's. But my brothers and sisters in Christ, I have good news of great joy for you. <laughs> the best Italian beef on the planet is now only 10 minutes away. Portillo's has landed in Avon, Indiana, and you could taste it this afternoon if you wanted to after church. Mm. Are you hungry for some Italian beef? Now, Italian beef is good, but can you imagine living a day with the righteousness of Christ, right heart, right action for the glory of God? Jesus said, hunger for it. For those who hunger for it will be pure, so, or will be uh, satisfied, filled. But then we move to the second move, 
which is crave pure spiritual milk. So this hunger for the righteousness of Christ leads to a craving and an actual consumption of something. And we see this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Peter says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, which in this context is the Word of God. And it's not a book about the Word of God, it's His Word. Crave this. So that you may grow up. So here we see the it's a process of becoming like Christ. Grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So here God is calling us to be like newborn babies as we crave pure spiritual milk, a picture of his word. I love this picture of hunger that leads to craving, that leads to consumption, that leads to, to spiritual growth. As we meet with God daily in his word, pray and listen to what he has to say and then respond back in, in prayer. We taste his goodness we grow hungry for his presence. We grow hungry for his righteousness. And it's as we're in his word, the spirit of God takes the word of God and changes us to become like the son of God. And we grow. Aren't you thankful that, that spiritual transformation is not rocket science? You guys, how do we become pure in heart? We hunger for it. But then we crave pure spiritual milk, his word, and we consume it. We meet him in his word, and we allow him to do his work. And for us as a faith family, we've coined the little phrase, chair time, to help it stick. But this is where every day, our, our most important meeting of the day is we, we get alone with God. We pick a chair in the house. You can, you're allowed to have two chairs, a third chair. You have to uh, apply for that. But the, uh, <laughs> I have a chair in the kitchen. I have a chair in our reading room. And meet with God. Just open his word and, and uh, receive from him hear from him, his will and, and what he has, and then respond back in prayer. The, uh, it's as we meet with him that we taste, I love the way Peter says it, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, we taste his goodness. It's as we meet with him that, that he convicts us of our sin. And he uh, says, hey, what you're sipping there, what you're chasing, it's going to destroy you. The, the deceitful desires of our own heart, and he I love the way Psalm says that he guides us on the right paths for his namesake. Righteousness, right? And, and why are we doing right things and why does he guide us on the right paths? It's for him. It's for his namesake that we would reflect his glory. Be who we, he created us to be. And he does that as we meet with him in his word. And then he, uh, often I'll, I'll find in my own heart, I, got, I sit down for chair time and man, I am fried and frustrated and mad and upset and worried about many things. Why? Because I'm chasing the idols of my heart again. <laughs> chasing success. I'm chasing status. I'm chasing stuff. I'm chasing performance. I'm chasing all these things. And I hear the good shepherd say, John, you're free. You're not in Egypt anymore. You don't have to chase that stuff. You're, you're in the kingdom. You're, you're my child. And he whispers, John, you're a dearly loved child of the king. Why are you chasing stuff and status and Success, rest in me. I've given you all that. Seek first the kingdom of God, right? What's the kingdom of God? His will being done in my life. It's simple. It's the simple life. Just seek my kingdom. And what, what's he call in Matthew? Seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. Just do the right thing with the right heart. Like I've 
I did and I've empowered you to do. And all these things that you're chasing, they'll be added to you. <laughs> the Father has your back. You don't, where does that happen? He purifies our heart. But it happens in those moments that we meet with him. So where is the enemy of your soul going to put some resistance in your life? Man, he is going to set up everything he's got to keep you from your daily meeting with God. Fight for it, right? You've got to fight for that time. That's where heart purification happens. How will we gain the capacity to go bless and be a light for him? It happens as we hunger for the righteousness, righteousness, righteousness of Christ. But as we crave his word and consume it and meet, meet with him. All right, and then the third move here is... And this one is one where um, we, I feel like we all need to stand and do a quick hamstring, hamstring stretch or um, get ready to move because this is where the, the change happens. And we don't change in fuzzy land, but we change actually where we get up and go. And this text calls us to get up and go. Over in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. In this text here, Paul says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So this is the impurities of our heart. Interesting, this is like, it's our desires that are, are corrupting us is the image. And then he says to be made new in the attitude of your minds. I, I'd encourage you out to the side of your Bible to write this. This is a better translation for what, what the NIV gives us. Be renewed by the Spirit in your mind. Three phrases to, to jot down. God uses, the Spirit of God indwells us. He renews us. Be renewed by the Spirit in your mind. But we're renewed in the way we think. He, he's reshaping our, our mental construct to put on the new self. And here it comes. This is the hope, again, that we see from Matthew chapter 5 or 6. To put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Isn't that awesome? So he's saying, all right, put off the old, rethink how you see reality, allow the Spirit of God to change how you see reality, how you think, and then put on your new self, so just do this, to be like God, created to be what? What's that word? See it again. Righteous. This is a possibility today, but we have to put it on. Put off, rethink, put on your new self, created to be righteous and holy. In the now? In the now. So the challenge here is that the third move is that we would change into our new identity. God is calling us to take decisive action. The image that Paul uses here is changing our clothes. And when you change clothing, it's not like a halfway thing, is it? You don't come in and say, you know what, I think I'm going to kind of wear this shoe and kind of wear that shoe. No, when you go in to change clothes, it's one shoe off one shoe on. That's the idea and the, the intensity here is we set out to become like Christ. There needs to be a decisive. When God shows us what needs to go, what is impure, what is not in alignment with his will, we take it off. And then we rethink. Our mind renewed by the, the will of God, the teaching of our Lord, we say, okay, what would be an appropriate thing to put on based on the word of God? And then when we see it, we put it on. We start to practice it. And we become like Christ, little by little, in this process. The, uh, 
we'll go, we have time to do some changing. You guys want to do some changing real quick? And we're going to just breeze through this. So I encourage you to soak in this. And, and, and if I could, I, we'll say, I, can I preach on this again someday? Because I'm just going to go fast through it. So this will, uh, <laughs> this is so good. They're so rich. And Marcy Welty at the 9 o'clock hour is actually teaching a course on Ephesians. So if you want to get deeper into this, you can. But here it goes. Let's, let's change. So what's this look like? Here we go. We'll keep on. Paul says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are members of one's one, one body. So deceit, lies, we put it off, and what do we put on? Truth. But why? And this is the rethink process. This is the renewing of the mind. Why? And what Brian said, tell people who you are. Who are you? You're a member of the body of Christ. So you can't lie to somebody who's a member of the body of Christ. Why? Because the foundation of relationship is trust. And if you blow up the body of Christ by lying to each other, you've lost your ability to go bless. Right? So we can't lie to each other, you guys. Put it off. Put on truth. Because you're members of one body. Isn't that cool how he does that right there? Now watch the next one. In your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So he's saying... Put off a wrong response to anger. Put on a right response to anger. Why? What's the renewed mindset? What's he giving us? What's like, oh, whoa, I didn't see that. Don't give the devil a foothold. Where does the devil live in the wrong response to anger? Is anger wrong? No. Anger's a, a gift from God to fix a problem. But where the devil lives is in a wrong response. And if you let the, the sun go down on your anger, meaning you, you hold a grudge and you just simmer, simmer, simmer. The devil's going to set up an artillery. A, a, it's a military term. And he's going to mess you up. He will create bitterness, a root of bitterness. He will create negative thinking towards that person. And all you can see is they're bad. He will, he'll blow up the body of Christ with it. And so he's saying, guys, you got to change. Put off a wrong response to anger. Put on a right response to anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. Watch the next one. Verse uh, 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So he's saying, guys, stop stealing, start working, put off a lack of integrity in, in the stealing, and start working, do something useful with your hands. But this is the kicker. As a follower of Christ and somebody with a pure heart, why? Why do you go to work? Why do you bust your tail at work? So that you can have enough saved up. And if you get enough saved up, and I'm saying you, but what are, are in our old self, what do we think? What's our first thought? Man, I got to get enough. I'm personally, I've, when I used to have snowball fights back in the day as a kid, I couldn't have too many snowballs because I didn't want to run out. And we'd get ready, hey, you want to start the fight? Nope, I need some more snowballs. Security in my savings, right? So, uh, lost my train of thought. <laughs> He's so why do you work? And then once we get savings, then what do we think? If I can get enough saved up, then I can finally spend some stuff, spend my money on my pleasures and have fun, right? But what's a Christ follower think who's being purified in heart? And this is, this is awesome. Stop stealing, put it off. Start working, put it on so that you can what? Have enough to share with those in need. <laughs> what Fred said about political, the political world, our hope is not in socialism, democracy, communism. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, who would change a human soul so that when he goes to work, he's thinking, Lord, if, 
I'm going to do my best to be useful with my hands, whatever I've been given to. But if you give me more, my first thought is I get to share with someone who doesn't have some. You know what you call that, brother? A blessing. You know what you call that person? A light in this dark world. How can I live with that like that? Because I'm a child of the king who's given me everything. Isn't that great? And, and the heart gets purified. Now, do we always think like that? No. We, we drift back to thinking i got to have my security. And it's okay to save and it's okay to have fun, all those things. But my first job here is to share with those in need. Okay, moving on. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building of others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So put off unwholesome talk. Put on wholesome talk. Why? So that it may build up the body of Christ. And, and this one is big. He's, he puts the why right at the front, which means, uh-oh. This one, this, this one, like, we've got to change this one. Where he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God who dwells us with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. That idea that God gave us a spirit to remind us, I will rescue you. What's the thing we need to put off? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. And what do we put on? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Follow God's example. And then he sums it all up as he says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Isn't that great? And so how do we change? How do we become pure? It's as we put off, renew our thinking, put on the ways of Christ. So our capacity to go bless hinges on the condition of our heart. And I think it's safe to say today, as we gather in this place, we all want to be a blessing, don't we? I think all of us would say, I want my life to be a light, to be a life-giving presence, bringing hope and help to, and love to the, the people around us. But this we know, our capacity to go bless hinges on the, the condition, the purity of our heart. As the old rabbi once said, when I was young, I set out to change the world. When I grew a little older, I perceived that this was too ambitious. So I set out to change my state. This too, I realized, was too ambitious, so I set out to change my town. Then I realized I could not even do this. So I tried to change my family. Well, now as an old man, I know the truth. I should have started by changing myself. If I had started with myself, maybe then I would have exceeded, succeeded in changing my family, my town, my state, and who knows, even my world. But what do we know? If he had tried to change himself, what would have happened? <laughs> he would have discovered in his own power, we can't even change ourselves because we're broken. But the good news of the gospel, through faith in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven of our sin. The power of sin is broken over us. And Jesus said, says, come follow me into a righteousness, a right way of living. As you feed on my word, crave pure spiritual milk, and you grow up in it, and as you are bold in changing, taking off what is old, putting on what is new with a renewed mind, step into the joy of uh, living this life. Aren't you thankful for what Christ has given us? Blessed are the pure in, or, or, or those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So three key words, hunger, crave, and change.
hunger, crave, and change. Hunger, crave, and change to be like Christ so that we might go be a blessing in his name. You join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace that opens our eyes to first the beauty of the gospel and in this reality, Jesus, of who you are. I thank you for coming to provide a way for us to be forgiven of our unrighteousness or our, the wrong things that we've done. We praise you for that, Lord. We thank you also for living the right life and that your life is credited to our life. I thank you that as we are one with you, we stand in your righteousness. But I thank you also that practically and in our own lives, we can taste the joy of living like you, becoming who you created us to be, to reflect your glory in true righteousness and holiness. So I pray for us today. I pray encouragement for each person here today, Lord, wherever we may be, to, to take the next step. We pray you'd give us a hunger for righteousness. Help us crave your word and just give us a hunger for your word. And I also pray that whatever the change is that we need to make, that we would be bold in, in making that change, putting off the old, putting on the new with a renewed mind. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.